this morning uh, I have the privilege of sharing from God's Word and uh, incidentally it happens to be the first Sunday of the year. So, and what I intend to do is speak something which is very dear to me because as I often say this could be my last sermon and so when I think what is it that I would speak as my final words if I'm not here you can say, okay, Jason spoke on that. And that's all what I would require. So, uh, we all see the, how the brevity of life, things can happen so suddenly, things can change from a moment to the next. You know, we do not know how life is, but we know one thing, and that is our God is in control. And we are grateful to God for that. And as a church and as a leadership, uh, we do struggle, not in the sense we have struggles, but we struggle for you guys. Our heart often is in pain for our community, and I want to share that with you. You should know that. We do sometimes come to a point of even you know, crying for you guys, hoping that in some way that the community will grow up to be all what God wants them to be. Uh, because when we don't see what we expect to see, it really discourages us. It really breaks our heart. And I'll tell you this with honesty as God is our witness. It causes us to spend sleepless nights sometimes. We roll in our bed and we think, how, God, how can we do something to make this, you know, something more than what it was yesterday. This is not to say that we are, you know, we are in a terrible state or something like that, but it is the hunger for, as a parent would have for a child, that they would grow. They would grow to be fruitful. They will grow to be everything that God wants them to be. Because if that is not happening, then it breaks our heart and we honestly want to tell you it does break our heart and it does lead us to pray and sometimes we are very very frustrated thinking what to do how to do but we do know one thing that God is in control and it is God who gives us such a heart and we are grateful for that and we thank you for being the community that you have been to us you know as leadership we are grateful you have been a wonderful community you have upheld your leadership in prayer. You have showered us with your affections. And you have honored us. And we are grateful to you for that. Having said those things, what I want to share with you this, um, this afternoon is very simple. But at the same time, it's very radical. It's, you know, it is going to leave you with a choice. And you will have to make a decision because there are no gray areas. Either you choose to be on this side or you choose to be on that side. And I'm going to read from Hebrews chapter 10 of last few verses and then my main text would be from Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 32. Now the writer of Hebrews is writing to a congregation like ours uh, who is going through tough times. 
they are going through a time when they want to give up their faith, when they want to conceal themselves, when they want to hide themselves away from their, you know, the people who are watching them, the other Jews, and they just want to get back and just stay hidden as Christians so that they can avoid the persecution and the rejection that they are facing. They just want to stay away. If, you know, if they could in some way stop the rejection and persecution that is out there. And it is in this context, in verse 32, the writer says, but recall, he's telling them, think of the times when you started. Recall the former days. And I want to talk to you as a congregation and as in a community, recall the time seven years back when we started in a basement. You know, with hardly any people. God gracious, God has seen so many come and go. God has blessed us. He has multiplied our numbers. Today we have so, much, so many more than what we used to have when we were in the basement. So we were underground, now we are overground. That itself, praise God for that, right? So, recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction. And sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you, have, you had compassion on those in prison. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Why? Since you knew that you yourself had a better possession and an abiding one. And therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward. We have started well. But we need to be careful that on our journey that we don't throw away the things with which we started. So don't throw away, therefore do not throw away your confidence which has great reward. For you have need of endurance. That's an interesting word which we will see. Another word for that would be, you know, it's aspect of what faith is all about. You need, you have need of endurance. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. Jesus is coming soon. I want you. If you didn't know that, I want to let you know. Jesus is coming soon. He may come today. Believe me, he is coming. Because... This is written in these last days. That's how Hebrews starts off. In these last days. And we are in the last days. And we are actually in the last of the last days. If you look at the world and the things that is happening. Jesus is going to come again. And that is what the writer is saying. Yea, a little while. The coming one will come and will not delay. But in the meantime. My righteous one will live by faith. And if he or she shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in, in him or her. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. The writer is confident of one thing, that we are not of those who shrink back, 
those who conceal themselves or those who hide themselves away so that to avoid the persecution and rejection that the world has to offer. No, we are the people of faith and we are the righteous one because we live by faith. But we have need for endurance, that's the truth. But it's okay, but we are the righteous one who live by faith. It's a quote from Habakkuk where it basically talks about the context there is proud, the proud trusting in themselves as opposed to trusting in God. We see the phrase used in Romans and in Galatians where it talks of that faith, the righteous shall live by faith as a basis of their salvation. But when you come to Hebrews, the statement, the, the, my righteous one shall live by faith, it talks of a lifestyle. It talks of how you and I choose to live. It's a lifestyle. It's, it's something which is evident to people. It is how I breathe. It is how I eat. It is how I make my choices. It is how I pick up things. It is how I decide my future. Everything, if there is one thing which characterizes the life of a Christian, it is And chapter 11 is an exposition on how does this faith look. That is one of the favorite lines I have is how does this thing look. So the writer is now going to paint a picture for us. And what I'm going to do is very simple. I'm going to read each verse and then make a few comments and then we will get back on it. So here the writer is saying... That the righteous one, their lifestyle is characterized by faith. Verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. This is ESV. The conviction of things not seen. Simple statement. If you were to do a little bit more into depth, to look at it, to scratch the surface. Now faith is the assurance. The word translated as faith, you could see, you know, the same, more or less same sense in chapter 1 and verse 3, the exact imprint, or verse 3 and 14 of Hebrews. Confidence. Now faith is the confidence. It's the exact imprint of things hoped for. So what the writer is saying, faith gives substance to the thing which we hope for. It is like if God has promised that he is coming again, we are already, what faith does is it becomes a medium or it becomes an objective ground where we see the coming of Jesus as happening already. It's already happening. That is why 2000 years ago, the writer of Hebrews could say in these last days because he is looking at it from an eye of faith and faith has the capacity to invest reality into the future. It brings the future and makes it so real that it is like happening here and now. Jesus is coming and we his people are Seeing his coming, it's already taking place in our lives and we are arranging our lives accordingly. That is what it is. If that is not happening, you're not living by faith. There are no middle areas. 
How many of you see that Jesus is coming? He is already coming. If you don't see that, you don't live by faith. Because if you see that, if your eyes, have, eyes of faith have caught that, you know what? Your life will have to be rearranged. My life will have to be rearranged. And I pray that today your souls will be so disturbed that you will not sleep today. The divine dissatisfaction will plague you till you reach home. We are content in the Lord, but at the same time, we suffer from something perennial, which is continuous, is the divine sense of dissatisfaction. We are not yet home. Some of our friends are stuck in Cleveland. I hope they have started. But stuck in Cleveland, they are thinking of how to reach Toronto. You understand what I'm saying? It's not that they are content. Their house is still there. It's not burned down. They know they can come to a warm house. That is not the problem. The problem is they are, you know, how do I get from Cleveland to Toronto and then hop on a cab or something like that and reach home? That divine sense of discomfort should rule and permeate our lives because we are not at home, but our eyes of faith should already see the promises of God as happening here and now. And then what it says, the second part, of things hoped for, the conviction of things unseen. Faith has the capacity to unveil the future. The future is seen as being in the present. The capacity of faith to invest reality in the things to come. Because, simply because, God has said it so. So faith, in its simple term, is something which enables us to live solely and totally to base our lives on God's word. As found in the 66 books of the Bible. That is why studying the Bible is very important. Theology is critical. Doctrine is very, very important. And how to apply these truths to our neighbors is very important. So it would be a very good idea to give your names so that lunch can be prepared for that seminar which is coming up on 16th and 17th. So what did we see? Faith is the medium or the means through which the Christian is able to enjoy the, in the present the full certainty of future realization of God's blessings. And gives the believer the capacity to unveil the future. So that the reality of events as yet unseen can be grasped by the believer. Faith gives the promises of God a reality as though they are happening here and now. Now let me read further. And we are going to look at what is the essence of faith and you know, the different aspects of faith. And I want to do it within the time that we have. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received a commendation or attestation. Their, their lives were attested as pleasing God. We're going to look at it. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. 
You know, sometimes we fight with all our friends who are evolutionists and other scientists, and they say, no, God created the world. You need to understand that we indulge in uh, apologetics and arguments. all very good. But how do you know that God is the one who created this universe out of nothing? How do you know that? It is by faith. It is not through your senses. Your senses will never be able to help you understand that the world was created by God out of nothing. So all arguments, it's very good. All arguments and all apologetic effort to help someone understand that there is an intelligent design that there has to be an intelligence behind this creation and all of those things will fail if there is no faith. Faith is what helps us to understand that God created the universe out of nothing. Ex nihilo. What basically, what in verse 3 what the writer is doing is he is actually celebrating of what the essence of faith really is. You know what the f- essence of faith is? The essence of faith is that you cannot use your senses to live as a Christian. You cannot trust your senses. Your eye you cannot trust. Your ears you cannot trust. Your feelings you cannot trust. You cannot trust any of those things if you have to live as a Christian. Because faith is something which is irrational. We are going to look at it. Why should you and I ever believe that it came out of nothing? Is there any reason why you and I should ever believe that the world was created out of nothing? Can our mind even comprehend such a concept? I don't think so. But faith enables us to understand that God created this universe out of nothing. The essence of faith is this, that it transcends our senses. Though God uses our senses to talk and reveal himself to us, do not misunderstand me. I'm not doing away with the senses. God uses it. We know him through our intellect. We understand, we sense him in our spirit. We understand about him, you know, in our, through our understanding. But to live by that is not to please God. And especially when our senses tell us something which is against the word of God. And we are going to look at it. You know, faith, the essence of faith is to live not by our senses, but solely and totally relying on the word of God. We're going to look at it. Let's keep going. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Though which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gift. As through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Then he talks about Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. 
Look at it this. Now we are talking about Abel and Enoch before God even spoke. We don't see God speaking to them. God did speak to their parents in the Garden of Eden. After that, we don't see God speaking to humankind. God didn't speak to them, but they had a sense of God. And so Abel came to God in faith. What does it mean? He came with the right attitude. He came with the right heart. The integrity of his heart, if anything else, which you know, puts him as acceptable before God. What about Enoch? Enoch, it talks about Enoch as someone who found his deepest satisfaction in this God of whom he might have heard from his parents, of whom he has no idea otherwise. He finds him as his, you know, source of deepest satisfaction. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God now if you have to please God there is a few things you should know about God and his characteristics and that is what we see in verse 8 and you know the verse 8 and without faith it is impossible to please God for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him that is verse 6 so when Abel comes to God when Enoch comes to God and walks with him and finds his greatest delight in being with God. You know what God does? He takes him home. He doesn't see death. And in the case of Abel, he is come to God in faith, arranging his life in a way that would please God according to the faith that God had given him. And God finds his offering acceptable so that even in death, he still speaks to us. Then let's go a little further. And here it says, without faith it is impossible to please him. We will look at that a little later. And then by faith Noah being warned by God concerning events yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. Did you know something? Till the time of Noah there was no rain. Rain came after the time of Noah. There was no rain till the time of Noah. And for God to tell Noah that the water is going to destroy the earth was something new. But this guy Noah knew that when God speaks, his word brings that to life. What happened in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1? He spoke and it was. And Noah knew that if God says something, it will happen. He already sees it happening. It took him 120 years. Can you believe that? But he already saw it as happening. And what did he do? He built an ark. Facing the ridicule of his people. Facing the jeers and mocking and telling what this old man Noah is doing. But he built an ark because he knew if God has said something, it's going to happen. It's beyond reason. It is not rational. It, is, it doesn't make sense to anyone. But it does make perfect sense to a person who lives by faith. Some of the things which God tells us doesn't make any sense. But the person of faith will choose to listen to God in spite of the fact 
it doesn't make sense to our senses. And that is why I said the celebration of faith, the essence of faith is not to trust our senses, but to trust the word of God as being, you know, as something which, is, which will come true and it will happen. Let's go on. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. <laughs> I'm always amazed by this man. And he went out not knowing where he was going. <laughs> you know, one funny day he tells his, maybe he might have told his parents saying, you know what, I heard a sound which appears to be like God and he said I should leave all this nice rich place in the Ur of the Chaldeans. And then later at Haran, he says, I should leave all this and I should go and walk into the desert. And I do not know. So where are you going? So people ask, oh, God called you. And I'm sure Viji might have heard a lot of things. So what are you going to do, brother? Where is God calling you to? And often I've heard Viji, I don't know what God has called me to, but I know he has called me. When he walks, if you swear to look at the geographical location from where he moves, his walk from Haran is into the desert. There is nothing there. He doesn't know where he is going. Do you think it makes sense? Would you ever undertake a journey which has no destination, of which you know not? When we go on travel, we make plans. How many hours is it going to take? Where are the pit stops we are going to make? Which hotels we are going to live? Or stay for the night? We make so much of planning because most of us like to be in control. Ultimately, the problem with that is we all like to be in control. We don't want to let go and allow God to guide us. We plan everything so meticulously. We budget our finances. But yet when we see a brother or sister in need, we will still clear, no, I have budgeted for this. We will never trust God who says, give it to the fatherless, the poor, the widow. You know in your heart God is talking to you, but you still hold on to say, no, if I don't do it, my child will go hungry. I'm going to address that question because people who live by faith sometimes go hungry. And the writer of Hebrews have addressed it. We still cling on to our budgets and our planning instead of clinging on to God and his word. If that is not what characterizes your life, you do not please God. You do not please God. You can try all that is in the world to convince yourself you live a life pleasing God, but you do not please God. Abraham walks out not knowing where he is going. Faith is not rational sometimes. It doesn't make sense sometimes. It is not explainable sometimes to people around you. It may invite people to tell you, you are stupid. Nobody would dare to do that. It's going to put your family in trouble. It's going to take your children down the path which you will regret later. But the man or the woman of God says, I know my God. If he has called me, he will see me through. Look at this. 
it's very interesting by faith he went in to live live in the land of promise how does he live in the land of promise he is in the land of canaan but how does he live there very interesting he said he is called to come to canaan but how does abraham live in this land of promise look at the qualification as in a foreign land living in tents see god told i will give you the land of canaan now he is in the land of canaan god told you he will bring you all to canada and you are in canada now he will bring you to toronto you are in toronto now you are in mississauga or milton or wherever that may be houston brother praise the lord for that god has brought you there because the bible clearly says he is the one who draws the boundaries of our existence he has brought you there he has placed you there and we say now we are settled that is the story of abraham he called him he didn't know where he was going going and then god brought him and brought him to the land of promise but you know how he lived there he lived as a foreigner because he knew there was a city he was looking for a city who which has foundations whose designer and builder is god even in the promised land he chooses to live as a foreigner in tents so my friends when you buy houses when you invest you know it's all very wise and dandy and nice to think how much returns we will get we are not thinking through the eyes of faith because these are temporary things like a wise man said nobody builds houses on the bridge does anyone build a house on a bridge have you heard of anyone building a house on the bridge because bridges are just a crossover but we will never build a house on the bridge and if that is true that we are going from here to our eternal home which has foundations whose builder and designer is god then it should better reflect in our lives otherwise we are not living by faith we are living by sight we are living dependent on our senses we are living a life where we are seeking control rather than giving our lives totally to god let's go on <laughs> to the person of faith every foreign country is homeland and every homeland is foreign their existence is on earth but their citizenship is in heaven they have not they are not yet home faith looks towards home let me go on and then we see a confessing faith by faith verse 11 Sarah herself received power to conceive when she was past age since she considered him faithful. And then it goes on to say in verse 13 they all died in faith not having received the things promised but having seen or saluted them afar they have seen and saluted the promises of God as being real. Death doesn't diminish their faith it only their faith is grown strong you can see that because verse 16 but as it were they desire a better country that is a heavenly one therefore god is not ashamed to be called their god for he has prepared for them a city people who live like that can be sure of one thing god has prepared for them a city it is <laughs> I would love to say it is not for people who live by sight but God is gracious you will get a small room there 
No, I'm joking. He is gracious and he will give it to you, you know, in spite of everything. You know why? Because God loves you so much. Because Jesus did it for you. He's not going to distinguish from, you know, putting you there and some putting here. No, he will all enjoy his benefits equally. But it is our joy to serve him today faithfully. In living by faith. Look at it. By faith, when Abraham was tested, verse 17, offered up Isaac, a faith which is able to give life. What does it say? And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it is said. So when, when Abraham offered up, his, offered up Isaac, he was offering up his future, as I've often told. But faith enables us to do that. He had given up his past. He is giving up his present and his future when he gives up Jacob. And faith enables him to do that. You know why? Because it says that faith, his faith has a capacity to see his God as someone who can raise Isaac from the ashes and still fulfill the promises of God. Faith makes no sense to the people of the world. It, apps, it, has, it makes no sense to anyone other than the people of God who has the gift of the Holy Spirit. And look at it. This verse has always touched my heart. Verse 21, it says, By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. You go to the Old Testament and you read the blessings that he blesses his children with. He is an old man. He is leaning on his staff and he is blessing them. He is talking about the great future that is to come. He is talking about the God whom he has known, whom he has struggled with, whom he has found to be faithful and he is saying these are to come because God has promised it. And then look at it, it goes on to say, By faith Joseph at the end of his life made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bone. Joseph, even as he is dying, he can see a multitude, almost 20, if I'm not, 2 million people walking out of Egypt towards the promised land. He can see it happening 400 years from his time. And he's saying, when you go to that land, don't forget my bones. Take it with you. Because it is going to happen. You're going to be two million people from a, from a motley bunch of 70 people. You're going to be two million and you're going to walk out of this land as a nation to the promised land. It will take 400 years, but it is going to happen at that time. Take my bones with you. That is what faith does. That is what faith does. That is what the essence of living by faith is. To see the future as it has happened today. Faith invests, has the capacity to invest reality to the things that is yet to happen. And then it goes on to talk about Moses. It talks about Moses' parents, their faith in keeping the child because they were not afraid of the king. And it goes on to say by faith, that is verse 24, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
of faith which refuses. Look at it. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. See, what, what that verse actually is saying is that his habit was to look towards God. It was a habitual stand with Moses. It was something which he had cultivated. He was constantly, his focus was concentrated on God. He saw God and nothing else. And look at it. It was, means when I read that verse, it really jumped at me. What is it? We are talking 1500 years almost. 1400 to 1500 years before Christ. What does it say? He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. Jesus has not come at that time. The promised Messiah is still maybe 13, 1200 to 1500 years in the future. But he says the reproaches of Christ is far better than the treasures, the, basically the, the, the force there is, the immeasurable treasures of the Pharaohs. He saw Christ. The eyes of, the eyes of faith sees Christ maybe at least 1,200 years into the future. And he's able to make that choice. He's able to say, his eyes have caught the vision. His eyes have seen the master. His eyes have seen the Messiah. And his life is never the same again. And so he can make those choices. You know, we read, if you go to the Old Testament, you find that he feared out of fear of the Pharaoh that he runs away. But here, what does it say? By faith, he left Egypt, not afraid of the anger of the king. Faith is something which creates a certain sense of bravado, a certain sense of fearlessness. It is, you know, in times when you are scared and fearful, faith has the capacity to turn it into boldness, a sense of confidence that whatever happens, my God's word will come true. And then it goes on to talk about by faith people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians when they attempted to do the same were drowned. We see the faith of God's people. And then we see in verse 30 by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had encircled it for seven days. I don't really understand today science may talk about how the sound vibrations can bring down buildings. It's all true. I don't want to dispute any of those scientific findings. But just think, God says, blow your trumpet, walk around this huge, massive walls of Jericho. But you know what? The problem is, the walls fell inside. It didn't fall outside. It didn't fall on them. It fell like this, imploded. How do you explain that? Does it make sense? God says, walk around seven times and the walls implodes into it. How does it make sense? Does faith make sense? Faith makes sense if you're willing to stake your life on the word of God. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. Are you willing to stake your life on God's word today? Are you willing to say that I'm going to trust God more than the senses, more than what is happening around the world, stocks are falling, Canadian dollar is losing its value. 
jobs are at stake, unemployment is high, the world cannot go on like this. Are you able to say, I'm willing to not look at any of those things, but I'm going to make a habit to looking to God and his word for how I'm going to arrange and live my life. And then look at it. It goes on to say, by faith, Rahab, verse 31, the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. You know what Rahab says in Joshua? I think it is in Joshua. She says, I know the Lord has given you the land. She tells the spies. I know the Lord has given you. She is, we do not know what kind of a woman she was. She invites these two people. So she is willing to suffer in the present for the reward that is in the future. She is willing to lose her head in the present so that she knows there is a reward in the future. You know that? If she was caught as a spy, what is the punishment? She would have been punished the most brutal way possible. Because they would first want to extract all the information that is possible, then they would have killed her. Then they would have killed her family. Then they would have killed her, killed everyone related to her. But she was willing to risk all of those things because she, by faith, already saw the land as being given to the children of Israel. Therefore, she says, when you come into the land, you know, think of me. The faith of Rahab was much much more greater than the children of Israel. That is why we find her name in the list, the genealogy of Jesus Christ himself. And then what more shall I say? For time would fail me and it is so true. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and it goes on. But I want to bring you to something, you know, just the questions that we often ask. Then why do God's people suffer Why do God's people, you know, why are daughters raped and brutalized? Why do Christians go hungry? Why do Christians have to live in caves in the 21st century? Why does all of these things happen? And I want to tell you this is why it is. We already had some clue to why it was so. It says some were tortured. Basically it means beaten to death refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Faith gave them, faith enables them to see their deliverance to suffering and martyrdom. Do you understand what I'm saying? Faith has the capacity to create, you know, to to bring about a sense that even through suffering and martyrdom, you know, they are going to see a better day. So for a better day, they are willing to suffer the, suffer, the, suffer, the, suffer the pain, the suffering, even to the point of death, because they know that there is something better. And faith has made it possible for them to capture that vision, so that when people are brutalizing them, when people are people are doing things which you and I can never imagine. Their eyes of faith have caught hold of something greater than their pain, their suffering, and the brutalities they undergo. That is why some of the people, some of the greatest men and women of God 
are people who have suffered the most, of which we have no explanation. Some of the best hymns are written by people who have been bedridden for years. Some of the greatest literature produced is found from within the walls of prisons. Some of the greatest things that we treasure today is a result of people who lived by faith and their faith caught a vision of the glory that is yet to come as being here and now. And they didn't, you know, for the light and fleeting afflictions as Paul talks in 1 Corinthians. They're able to live a life of faith knowing that at the end of the journey there is something far, far better which is which you can which which is which cannot be compared to anything in the present and then it goes on to say they were stoned they were sawn in two they were killed with sword they went about in skins of sheep and goats destitute afflicted mistreated of whom the world was not worthy basically what the writer is saying is all this <laughs> bunch of homeless people who are brutalized and raped by this world who are who are thrown away as nothing, who are brought to a river bank and put a bullet into their head and thrown into, this, into the river like dead dogs. You know their worth? Their worth is much more than the world put together in God's eyes. That is what the Bible says. These people whom nobody counts, they are not significant. They are forgotten so easily. But for God, they are worth much more than all the universe put together. And that is what faith does. Faith gives them that assurance that I am worth more than the universe to my God for whom I can suffer all things, even death. My friends, living by faith doesn't make sense. But living by faith makes perfect sense to the person of faith. So my question this this afternoon is this. I have five minutes there. As I said, though God uses our sense to reveal himself to us, we cannot live a life pleasing to God dependent on our senses. In many ways, living by faith is in opposition to living by our senses, as we saw. Things that don't make sense to our senses makes perfect sense to our eyes of faith. Living by faith calls for a healthy and total distress of our senses, especially when it stands in clear opposition to what God is calling you to do. Such a faith is indeed the celebration of God's promise. But I want you to listen to this carefully. It is indeed the celebration of God himself. When we trust God's word, we are celebrating God himself. I want you to know that. When we live a life of faith, we are celebrating God. Because we are saying that God is true. We are saying that God is real. We are saying that when God says something, it will come about. We are celebrating God. When we live by faith, we are celebrating God. It is a celebration of our God who is utterly reliable and trustworthy. Such faith makes God real in our life. And such a faith pleases God. And that is what we find in verses 4 and 5 of Hebrews chapter 11. Such faith pleases God. So how must we live in this world? We must live in total and absolute reliance on God's word. 
and as opposed to our as opposed to our senses anything short of this displeases god we are called to develop an attitude informed by faith not by reason or experience keep your reason and experience to the side and develop an attitude of faith which is characterized by faith i want to ask you a question how many of you want to be ordinary christians then i i don't see any hands so i will ask you another question how many of you want to be extraordinary christians can i see your hands you want to be an extraordinary christian i want to challenge you to live by faith i want you to do something which will challenge your senses you know i want to i want you to break your calculations maybe this year you have said i will pay i will give to the church 100 dollars a month make it 150 it will upset all your calculations but make it 150 and at the end of the year tell me if god has not been proved faithful you tell fridays i cannot come for meetings because i have to work you say i'm not going to work i'm going to give up this overtime and i'm going to come on friday because i just not because if i don't come on friday god is going to be displeased with me but i'm going to be here on friday every friday for this year and because i love god because i love his people it is going to take away maybe quite a lot of money from your budget and i want you to come back to 2000 at the end of 2015 and tell me if god has not proved himself to be faithful I want you to do something more. I want to ask yourself. You know as I was sharing with my brother here Viji yesterday, we often forget that God has said go out and make disciples. And where where does it start? In Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and at the most parts of the world. We are still in Jerusalem. At least in your lifetime will you go to Judea? will you go if you have lived as a christian for 20 years have you been to judea if you have lived for 30 years as a christian have you been to samaria if you have lived 40 years as a christian have you been to the utmost part of the world if not you're not fulfilling the commission you have no right to live here you better get out and go because there is a judea calling you there is a samaria calling you there is an uttermost part of the world where god is calling you to the commission is for everyday commission that's why i don't talk of it as a great commission i talk of it always as the everyday commission for everyday christians who live by faith will you do that you want to be extraordinary christians and have extraordinary stories i'm telling you try living by faith i can tell you as a person who has tasted and seen that the lord is good i have tasted him to be faithful and that is my confession and when viji asked what is the one word that comes to mind what about 2014 let me tell you what came to my mind but i choose not to speak at times because i don't think it's the right time for me to speak but let me say to you 
the one thing that came to my mind is, it's gone. That is all what came to my mind. 2014 is gone. One word, it is gone. There were many opportunities which we didn't take on. Many, many things which we could have done. It's not going to be there for you. But we have 2015. And I pray that we'll grab on, grab and take it on with both our hands the things that God is calling you and me to. Don't let it go so that at the end of 2015 you don't have to say, it's gone. But you will be able to say, yes, God has been gracious and these are the things. Think about the bigger kingdom. Think about the bigger things of God. Live by faith because that is a celebration of God himself and that does please him and that does bring him glory because there is no other way to live. And that is the way the believer, those who know God, lives. That is the lifestyle to which we are called. My righteous one shall live by faith. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for this time and thank you for being so kind and so good to us. Thank you because you love us immensely. Thank you for your son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your Holy Spirit which works in our lives. Thank you for your word which speaks, still speaks to us so tenderly and so encouragingly. We want to thank you because we are not of those who shrink back and in whom you have no pleasure, but we are those of whom who live by faith. So Lord, we pray that we will live true to our calling, that we will show forth the word to be true in our lives in the days to come. Will you send us with your blessing? And especially, oh God, we pray for Annie in a special way and commit her into thy hands and pray, Lord, that you will grant her many more years to come. Oh Lord, be with her and take care of her. Oh God, we want to thank you for all of these wonderful things that you have done in our lives. Thank you. Thank you. And those who are traveling, those who are coming home, bring them home safely to us, oh Lord, so that we may have the joy of worshiping together. And at this time, in a special way, Lord, we pray for Samachan. We want to thank you, Lord, for the wonderful way that your hand has been on him. Oh, God, it doesn't make sense. Oh, Lord, how the, it doesn't make sense about the whole thing that has happened. But it makes perfect sense to the eye of faith, knowing that you are in absolute control. Lord, to have him back, oh, Lord, from the land of the dead in almost, oh, Lord, itself is a miracle and we are thankful to you for that. Whatever it is, Lord, that you have in store for him in the future, Lord, we know that it will be the very best and we will be able to rejoice with him in one of these days. Oh Lord, if your coming is not there, oh Lord, to testify to the goodness of God how you have kept us from sorrow and our, ears and our eyes from tears. Oh Lord, we want to thank you for that. We pray for that family in a special way. We commit them, we commit all the people involved in the care. And we commit them all into thy hands. Will you be with them? Will you send us with your blessing and with your grace? For we have asked and offered all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.